passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends, from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. To the Boone Podcast, I'm Brett Boone. Today on the program, I'm joined by a gentleman I met through a mutual friend, Mike Tice. We both played the Mike Tice uh, charity golf event. It happens once a year in the Seattle area. He's a part of a legendary family in, in the NFL. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, currently coaching with the Las Vegas Raiders. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a long entry. Long entry. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Rob Ryan. Rob, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, great to be here, Brad. I tell you, I know one thing. You, you played a whole lot better golf than I did the last time I saw you. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm a, just want to apologize for all the people that I hit out there on that golf course. Are you, do you play it all? You just do it for no. the charity event, or are you a golfer? You're not a golfer. And you're, oh, and you're no. Free I mean, the only time I golfed was when I was coaching for the Cardinals, but that was 100 years ago. So, uh, yeah, I play once a year, and apparently not very good anymore. <laughs> uh, the Ryan family, the Boone family, uh, we've got some things in common. Different sports, but um, differences, and I, and I checked this out, you guys got five rings. We've only got three. Dad has two and grandpa has one. Aaron and myself to this point, uh, we're shut out. So uh, we'll, we'll see going forward. Um, I, I'm interested in talking to you about, I, okay, I've got two siblings. I've got Aaron, who's four years my junior, and, and I've got a younger brother, Matthew, who's 10 years younger than me. So our growing up schedules were kind of different. Aaron was that, that kid that kind of hung around the older guys when I would allow him. Um, but actually my, my buddies really liked Aaron growing up and, and they said, yeah, let Aaron tag along. So it was kind of that we never got to play with each other on a team until we got to the big leagues in 1998. I got a chance. We got a chance to play together in Cincinnati. That was pretty awesome. But up until then we had never, you know, I was a senior in high school. He was getting ready to come to high school. So we never uh, cross paths as far as competing on the same field until, until we were adults. Uh, I have fraternal twins. I know your fraternal twin is uh, Rex. Probably a different childhood growing up. Aaron was kind of my younger brother. I, I took care of him. I looked out for him. We didn't really fight. There was no rival because he was so, so much younger than me. Talk to me about growing up with, with Rex Ryan in a 
football family. Well, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, you know, uh, you know how, how football families are. They're kind of like military families. You know, you move around all the time. Uh, but the nice thing is you always took your best friend with you. So, uh, you know, it, it was an easy transition wherever we went. We're like, Hey, well, there's my best buddy, you know, and it was wrecked. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was great. And then of course, you know, we, we competed, uh, in everything we did, uh, you know, we'd compare batting averages, uh, how many, who made the most tackles, you know, with Rex, it was the most missed tackles. But, uh, but we always, I mean, it was, it was an awesome childhood. Uh, there's a, you know, rumor of, you know, somebody took somebody's, uh, ACT to get him in school, but, you know, uh, he claims dyslexia. So, you know, he needed a little help, but, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you, you, uh, you can't have a better, you know, uh, childhood than we did, you know, and just like, you know, with your father, you grow up around the game and the guys playing the game are the best people in the world. Uh, you know, they're the alpha males, they're the, they're the best people. And, you know, shoot, they'd be showing up to our road baseball games and, and, uh, and high school football games. And, uh, you know, then you get absolutely crucified by them in a locker room in front of their buddies. But, but it was a, it was a great childhood. It was a great way to, uh, be brought up and, and, uh, you know, shoot, we ended up, you know, you're getting a chance, you know, to coach in the NFL. Uh, was it nepotism that got us in? Absolutely. You know, but once you're in there, you got to do the job yourself. And and both of us, you know, coached over 20 years in the NFL. I'm I'm working. I'm wanting to get to 30. Uh, you know, and and Rex's son, he has a son that's coaching. Uh, Should have got to the Super Bowl this year. He's coaching with the Lions. And then uh, my son's just uh, going to get into it uh, next fall. So you know, in the league. So we're all excited about it, and it's been a great uh, you know a great run for us for sure. Um. Is there a rivalry growing up? Well, I mean, there was when we played on opposite sidelines. You know, uh, in college, I used to wear them out. I was at Okie State. He was at Oklahoma. We, Oklahoma State never beat Oklahoma. Oh, we did. We did. We beat him twice there. And then uh, back when I was at Tennessee State, we played him at Moorhead State. We beat him there. I mean, we, I was running things in college. Then I got that, to the schools, and I'm like, ahead, I don't go know. Ahead. And he, he flipped the script on me. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I couldn't beat him out there. So, uh, uh, but we played a lot, you know, now, now I'm, I'm 500 against, you know, my nephew, Seth. So uh, he beat us this year, but, but I got him the year before on like a 65 yard field goal set a record, but, uh, but definitely a rivalry for sure. I, I think it's awesome. Cause, because within my family, you know, and we've had different, different scenarios, different, at different times of our lives, I was always over the top supportive for my brother uh, until I played against him. We were, we were teammates for a brief time. We played against each other. I came up in the minor leagues when I, when I got drafted in 1990, my dad was just retiring from his career and he was about to pursue a managing career. So his first job was the triple a job for the Oakland A's, which was Tacoma, Washington, which was in my league. So I started right away. I'm playing against dad. And as much as I've always been that kid growing up watching, pulling for dad, I'll tell you what, I went to Tacoma. I wanted to kick the shit out of him. And I did. <laughs> yeah. And and I'll tell you, he would manage. It's almost like, you know, you, you know, with your dad, he he wants nothing but the best. You're growing up. He's your 
biggest fan. I'm telling you, when I was on the other side of the field and he was managing, he wanted to beat me. So it's almost like he'd punch me out and, and, and I'd look over and be like a fist pump in the dugout. Uh, <laughs> interesting. I played under my dad when he was a bench coach. That was cool. We'll get to that a little bit later. But here, here's, here's, I want to know if you go through this like I do. Okay, growing up, I'm always Bob Boone's son. I'm always Ray Boone's grandson. That's just the way it is. And, and very proud of them and what they've accomplished, and, and my family for that matter. I get to professional baseball. I establish myself. And now it becomes, they're talking to dad, and that's your, your Brett's father. Gra- Grandpa, you're Brett's grandfather. Aaron was always my little brother. Now, fast forward to, to getting later in life, Aaron gets the Yankees job, and now uh, we're all Aaron's brother. Oh, that's that's Aaron Boone's dad. You know, I want to know how Rob Ryan, how you get introduced because of all the, the legacy oh, in your family yeah. and, and the, the amount of tentacles out there in, in the football world, <laughs> Buddy being your dad. How do you get introduced these days? You know, I was great with the, uh, yeah, that's Buddy's boy. I was great with that, but man, out of nowhere, Rex goes, he's a head coach of the Jets. And now it's, oh, there's Rex's brother. I'm like, man, come on. It's my twin brother. Right. Stop already. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much, I get called Rex uh, about half the time, you know, from people out there. Hey, I know you, you're uh, Rex Ryan. I'm like, I don't even stop. I just keep going. Like, stop already. But uh but no, it's funny. I mean, both of them have uh, you know chances to be head coaches in the National Football League, and and uh, obviously both were very successful. But uh, nobody compares to my father. He was uh, he was the best defense coach that ever laced them up, and and uh, I don't think there's an argument there. Some people see Bill Belichick. Well, just look at the look at the numbers, and you'll see a difference. And also the play style. I mean, he brought a play style to the National Football League they never saw. So uh, always proud of him. Uh, you know, I think just, uh, having a twin brother that's been really successful has been great. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, my goal is, Hey, I want to be the longest tenured Ryan and, and also win the most Super Bowls. right now I'm tied with my father at two. Uh, you know, Rex only has one. We're not real proud of him, but, uh, you know, so we're taking, and then Seth almost got one now. So all of a sudden this kid's coming out of nowhere, but, uh, but I think with AP running things out uh, with the Raiders now, we're heading to greatness, and uh, we're looking forward to to getting that done and also being the longest tenured Ryan. My dad coached for 28 years. I want to beat that. It is it is kind of like the family business. Boone family, it's like, well, you're probably going to be a baseball player. This is what you do. It was never forced upon me. It was kind of introduced and say, we hope you love it. You know, actually, my grandpa was my earliest influence and. In, and from day one, I just, it's, it's all I ever wanted to do growing up, buddy, being your dad, were your, were your aspirations? I want to be a football player or I want to be a coach like pops. No, I mean, here's the thing, the big difference between the Boone family and the Ryan family, the Boone family has unbelievable talent to play the game. (laughs) The Ryan family, we were strategic. We weren't very talented, but we were tough but we weren't talented enough to play in the league. So, uh, uh, you know, so that was a, the biggest difference, but obviously from, from day one, uh, when we moved in with my father, my, uh, mom and dad were divorced. So we, you know, we were like the worst kids in the world in Canada. So they, they moved us out of there. And, uh, so my dad saved our lives. I mean, 
uh, he's like, you kids are begging for discipline. We're like, oh, man, hell no. We don't want that. Now, please, but trust me, we don't want this. But, uh, you know, we, he used to call us professional paper boys. We, we delivered the morning and the afternoon paper. We never went to school. We were getting kicked out. I mean, you know, so he had no choice but to take us. And, and when he did, uh, you know, it, it turned our life around. So, obviously, we grew up idolizing him. Uh, we saw the respect he had from the players. And, you know, uh, I mean, those are were, those were our buddies. Those were our friends, uh, the guys that were playing on Sundays. So, uh, you know, naturally led to us getting into coaching. And, and my, my father thought we were crazy. I mean, we had business opportunities, uh, uh, other places, you know, like uh, we were great at ARA food service. We were killing it. And they, uh, in the Philadelphia airport, they offered us uh, full-time managing jobs. And my dad just thought we were absolutely nuts for turning them down. But, uh, but we got into coaching and it seemed to work out. You both started. You, the brothers, you and Rex, you started at Western Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky. I don't know if that was planned. Um, no, that was one spring break trip. So literally we got in a car and went to get jobs and I ended up getting Western Kentucky. He ended up getting uh, Eastern Kentucky. I don't know how much you, how much did you lean on dad? Cause as a, as a young player, you know, you know how we go through different, different, uh, parts of the life and when we're kids we want to do it on our own we want to prove dad you know at the when i was a young player when i first signed all i heard was do you feel the pressure to follow in the footsteps you know i, I got sick of it after a while and it was almost like look at look at my numbers let i don't give a shit about dad and grandpa love them to death but they're not going to get me where i'm going so let's concentrate on me as a player you know once that's subsided and you establish yourself and you're in the league for a while that that's an afterthought uh, but I remember as a kid, you know, just f clawing, trying to find my own way. I, I used to resent it a little bit. As time moved on in the professional, you know, as a professional, man, me and me and dad, we were we were awesome together. He was a hitting coach. I mean, uh, he'd be working for another organization. I'd be in a slump. I'd send him a ticket. He'd fly. We'd meet under the under the grandstands after hours when no one was around because we didn't want to have that. You know how that coaching thing is. It's very oh, political. Yeah. What's he doing working with our hitters? Sure. Well, it's my dad. I'll, I'll work with whoever I want. By the way, if the peanut lady can help me get a hit, I'm going to bring her down into the cage too. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but I really embraced it as I got into my career and, and it became, I got a chance to play under him one time. Uh, he was a bench coach in Cincinnati. I thought it was going to be an absolute nightmare. Like dad's going to be watching me. This was early in my career. Ended right. up being one of the funnest years I've ever had. He he had an uncanny ability to separate uh, father son from coach player. And when when we'd walk through those gates at, at Riverfront Stadium, there was no father son to be found. It was coach player. Then once you know once once it was over. We had an off day. I got to have a father-son moment. We used to go to lunch and have a good time. And, and I really appreciated him and, and how easy the transition he did make for me. Um, but I want to talk about my minor league side, your minor league. Kind of when you first started off, you were Western Kentucky, Ohio State, Tennessee State. Did you lean on dad for, for advice and talk about that journey before you did get to the NFL? A lot, a lot of rental a lot of rentals, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you're a vagabond moving place to place. Well, I, I mean, you know, to get in first, I mean, it was, uh, 
you know, me and Rex, we didn't really knew anything. So, uh, you know, we, we knew from, from one day of, of X and Owen with my father, he was teaching us the family business, the 46. And uh, so we knew that defense a little bit on paper, uh, but we had never worked with players. We had never done any of that. So when we were just starting out, I mean, never knew much. But the crazy thing is my first full-time job I got by using my dad's name. All right, let me tell you what happened. We're at a uh, uh, football clinic, a big national clinic out there in Nashville. And my dad's like, oh, you guys are going to go there. You're going to see a lot of kids just like you, young kids that don't have jobs, you know, and it'll be good for you. We're like, ah, great. Okay, sounds great. Well, we go out there, and the first coach I saw there was Eddie Robinson, the great legend Eddie Robinson. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm telling Rex, I'm like, dude, I'm going to go up and introduce myself to Eddie Robinson. And he's like, you ain't going to introduce yourself to him. I go, watch this shit. I'm going to. Walk right up. Hey, Coach Robinson, Rob Ryan, Buddy Ryan's son. <laughs> All right. So this like, he goes, well, what do you know about the 46 defense? I'm like, man, I know everything about the 46 defense. He goes, really? Why don't you show me and my staff tonight about the 46 defense in my room? All right. So I, I go there three nights in a row. I'm in there with, with Eddie Robinson, the Hall of Fame coach, and his staff keep going over this defense. And out of nowhere, I'm walking out, and it's like, man, this is a chance in a lifetime to be around a Hall of Famer. I'm walking out, and, and uh, a coach that my dad had coached with 100 years ago in, at University of Pacific goes, hey, I hear there's a job at Tennessee State. You know, uh, maybe you should go get it. I'm like, hell, I'll try to get that job. So I call Eddie Robinson. I'm like. You know, uh, well, actually, I saw him at the deal. I go, hey, Coach Robinson, do you think he'd maybe help me get this job at Tennessee State? You know, it's a, it's a you know, historical uh, black college. And, you know, Eddie Robinson is the biggest guy in the world. And he's like, nah, son, I'm not going to call and recommend you. I'm like, damn, man, I've been there all day. I'm going to recommend you in person. What? Yeah, so we drove down to Tennessee State from Nashville, and he got me the job. So <laughs> I guess it guess it you know was you know hey i dropped the name i don't know but uh but it worked out but uh the first time we really got put in a situation where you felt pressure uh to back the name up and things like that was after we had about eight you know nine years experience uh then my dad hired us uh with the arizona cardinals and you know uh man you felt pressure you know with the name on your back you want to do a great job uh, I was fortunate enough to coach a Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams, and uh, I love how he credits me. Oh, you gave me confidence. Holy shit. <laughs> I didn't do anything except cover that dude. But uh, but it was amazing. We were number – we disappointed that. We were number two in the league in defense. Uh, but I was coaching secondary. We led the league in the interceptions both years uh, and number one, number two in, in pass coverage. So, uh, you know, it kind of worked out. But believe me, you felt the heat of – Man, your buddy's boys, you got to come through. And and uh, the rest is history. Now, now we think we're the best and, you know, hell, we're just who we are. But uh, at first, you definitely felt the, you know, the, you know, the fact that, man, this, you know, buddy's my dad and things like that. But uh, another great story about that. I'm coaching for Sean Payton. He's a great football coach. And uh, we lose a game 40-something to 30-something. And he's like, that damn offense. They're terrible, you know. <laughs> Not at well, actually, we stunk. But he was like our biggest fan. He was so positive, 
you know, in the later years, uh, you know, and, and we could do no wrong, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and my mother was opposite. She'd be like, God, why did you blitz there? Why did you do this? So, uh, but it was funny. I mean, he was, uh, he was tough as nails. Uh, you know, I know your father was, you know, was tough as hell. He had that mass, that old, you know, big black mass that he'd play with, but, uh, he's the only one in the league ever played with that thing. But, uh, uh, but, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was cool to, you know, to have that. And, and, you know, he was always back there. It's like, Oh God damn, we should have played this. He never did that. It was, uh, man, son, you were doing great out there, you know? So, uh, but eventually, you know, kind of realized, Oh, thanks dad. But all right, let's get it on. Let's, let's get going. That had to be pretty cool though. Cause at first, yeah, you've, got that outside distract you got people oh buddy it's bringing his kids in well at the highest level you know usually by that by that time you're vetted and if you're going to be an nfl coach you've got the credentials and and on your own doesn't matter who your dad is he just thought hey my kids are good might as well have them along did you have times during those brief those those few years to have those moments i was talking about like with my dad it, it was awesome I come to the ballpark and we did our own thing. You know, I hung with the guys that I hung with and, and he was a coach and he was in the coach's office. And when the game started, he sat on the bench next to the manager. We didn't interact, but I had something professional to ask him. Hey dad, give me this last guy's, you know, what's he done his last three, uh, three relief appearances. And, you know, he'd go through the books just like any coach would. Right. Um, but I did get to have those father son times too. You know, he never pushed it on me. He always waited for me to come. Hey, Dad, you, we have an off day tomorrow. You want to have lunch? So I, I really, I treasured those times, you know, and we had all grown up at that point, and it was really cool, and it was the opposite I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought it was going to be like when Dad takes over your Little League team. Oh, yeah, why do you get to play short? Why do you get to hit third? Oh, no doubt. You know, because that's how we always think. But at the professional level, it's beyond that. So did yeah. you have a similar experience I, I know once you, you know, you go to work and you probably didn't see him some days for a long time doing your thing. Uh, the right. game comes to fruition. But did you enjoy that downtime when it wasn't, when you weren't on the clock to to kind of be able to hang with dad? Oh, no doubt. I mean, he was the best. Uh, he was such a great father. He really was. But uh, I got I, I got to tell you this. When I, one of those moments, we're coming back from the combine and in, in, uh, in Indianapolis. And uh, it's, it's the last day. The DB's working out. I actually ran the drills. I'm going to say I threw the ball well to fairly well. But uh, anyway, I get on the plane and, you know, been out all night long. <laughs> and I'm going in the back and there's dad in first class. Hey, dad, class, what's up? All right, so I go in the back and, and uh, on this plane, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, now there's some babe out there sitting across from me. So I tell Rex and Twin Talk, like, hey, there's some smoke show back here. Ah, yeah, whatever. So I don't do anything about it in typical Ryan fashion. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to make a play. End up meeting this young lady. And she was beautiful now. This girl was beautiful. So I'm walking out, and I drove. You know, so we get we land in Arizona where she's going to L.A. And I'm like, you know, back then, I'm like, Dad, I'm going to walk this girl to her gate. And he goes, oh, bullshit. So, you know, walk that damn girl to her gate. And then he sees her and he goes, I'll take your time, son. Take your time. Take All your right. Time. So that ended up working. But that's not the end of the story. I ended up marrying that girl. So it worked out. Pops was good. At least he let me go in there and, you know, try to have a little game over there. So, uh, but it worked out. But 
That was great. I mean, that's typical dad, though. He was, uh, man, he was tough on the outside, but he was phenomenal on the inside. And uh, and during the game, like you say, with your father, he was all business now. Believe me, there wasn't no, hey, dad, let's do the bullshit. You know, uh, yes, sir, Coach Ron. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he was, it was on. He was the man, and uh, and it was, it was a great experience, like you say. I want to talk about the differences, baseball, football. <clears throat> baseball for me, my experience, I've had a lot of guys that have touched my life <clears throat> through the ranks in a positive way. But as far as the actual coaching aspect, I think football, it, I've never played football at a high level, so I don't know for sure. But I think the coaching, the X's and O's, uh, the preparation, it seems to me in the NFL is it's a little more important than on the baseball side. Baseball coaches, the best I've had, the ones that have helped me the most, seem to be the best psychologists. How they got me into the frame of mind to succeed on a consistent basis. Not, oh, we're in the cage working on the physical side of the game. Uh, very rare did, did I come across some guys, and there were a few, that could help me the physicality of it, if you know what I'm saying. I, I can sure. watch film all day long, but I'm usually my best critic on the film side. But from a psychologist side, I did have a couple guys throughout my career where they had the uncanny ability to walk by me when I was struggling and kind of ask me a question. I'd answer them. They'd give me a piece of advice. They'd keep walking. And I'd kind of be like, well, what was that all about? But, but then think he's right. How did he, how did I not recognize that? Now all of a sudden, maybe I'm, I'm still struggling. But in my mind, wow, I got a chance now because of that little tidbit that he just gave me. That was the most important for me. Talk about coaching football at the highest level. Is it all, is it, is it Ryan magic or does it have something to do with the talent level as well? Or is it a combo? Well, I mean, I think, I think obviously you have to have unbelievable talent to be in professional sports. Uh, the biggest thing is, as a coach, you have to be yourself. And uh, I wasn't Buddy Ryan. I mean, I never let I never led men into battle when I was 19 years old like he did. I mean, he's a hell of a lot fucking tougher than I was, and a damn sure a hell of a lot tougher than Rex. But, uh, <laughs> but we're ourselves. <laughs> There's like, that we're twin. Ourselves. There's that twin right there. Yeah, but the biggest thing about it is uh, you have to be genuine. Uh, but I'm more of a connector uh, in in my coaching and and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, have more experience than most people. I've been in the league 24 years now, started 30 years ago, but, uh, you know, it's something you recognize, uh, and, and there's ways to, to build people's confidence up without it being, uh, you know, a big deal. And it's something that if you believe in them, then you need to let those players know you believe in them and, uh, and they play better. I mean, when I say Aeneas Williams, I, I didn't know what I was doing except, hey, Nias, go cover that guy. Uh, but believe me, there was a lot of conversations over there where I believed he was the best in the league, and he ended up being a Hall of Famer and then calling me out right before he introduced his wife at the Hall of Fame, one of my great thrills uh, as a coach, you know, to sit, to encourage me and, and, to, and to tell him how much I meant to him, which was, which was amazing. But, uh, but I've had a lot of success stories that way. Namdi Awesome, while I was a phenomenal actor now, by the way, uh, which I knew that I told him, man, Nam, you look great. You could be an actor. And he is. 
any married beautiful woman. But uh, but he needed a little confidence on playing man coverage, and he ended up being the I say the best in the league uh, during the you know uh, time I was there in the '90s. Rex claims Revis was, but uh, a lot of people agree with him. But uh, uh, but Nambi was phenomenal. But all he needed was somebody there to to pick him up a little bit. And, you know, and we've had coaches that were tearing him down. I'm like, man, that's not the way you do this kid. And, uh, man, did he grow, you know? So I think it's just coaching is, is just being honest. And, uh, you know, the hours of coaching are great. I love them. I love the grind of coaching. Uh, you know, those, you know, six to, to midnight days every day for seven months, people don't like it. I love it. Cause if you can just give your player just one little edge, uh, you definitely want to do that. So, uh, you know, because I wasn't going to help anybody, uh, you know, kick anybody's ass. I mean, you know, man, I, you know, I could tackle, but I, I you know, I keep my head up and bite the ball. But uh, every coach in, in Little League teaching the same thing. So I think it's more you do uh, mentally. I think it's, you know, obviously in baseball, I mean, I could never get a hit if I thought I couldn't, you right. know, and you know how that's such a mental game. And me and Rex, we were better baseball players than football players. But, uh, uh, you know, crazy, you know, just, you know, uh, one of those things. I mean, I remember <clears throat> going into a baseball game on on deck. Rex is back in cleanup and he's got one contact lens in. And, he, and this kid was bringing it, man. This high school kid named Gick, he was bringing it. And he's like, wait, hold time out, time out. He couldn't see. He couldn't catch up to the fastball. He's like, well, hold on. Rob, give me your right contact. All right, here's I stick it in, in his eye, and he goes up there and he hits a home run. This is no lie. This is a true story. Put it right over the fence. And it was like, holy shit, you just took that all-stater deep. And he comes out, and he's like, Rob, here's your right contact. He's going to put it back in my eye. I'm like, ah, hell, I'm going to strike out anyway. And sure enough, I did. But, uh, you know, you know, I, baseball is such a mental game, and, and I love it that way. But I think I carried those traits on to, to coaching football as well. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is, and, it, and it's different. You know, I, I laugh when people, well, they've got to be treated the same. Now, once you get to a high level, you know, and the great managers, and I'm not saying coach, coaching staff and managers in, in, in Major League Baseball, a lot different. You know, uh, the skipper's the skipper. And I and I watched the great ones. I got a chance to play for a, f- a few great skippers. And, and the great ones, it seemed to me, they had that right mix of, I've got to treat player X one way and player Y a different way to get the same conclusion. Because if I treat X like Y, man, X is going to quit on me. And if I treat Y like X, I'm not going to get the most out of X. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Uh, some guys need a kick in the ass and some guys need a hug to get that same result. Do you find that in the NFL? Oh, yeah. I mean, big time. I mean, you know, these guys, they're the, they're the best people in the world. They're, they're the alphas, but they're also different. I mean, everybody comes from a different walk of life. Everybody, uh, you can see it, though. Like, I think, I think that comes with experience of uh, knowing people. Uh, knowing what motivates them. You can feel it. it's not like, hey, write it down on a piece of paper and let me see what, oh, this is a style of coaching. Like, well, you know, that that's not it. It's being around people, understanding how the how the dynamic works and 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 kind of uh seeing what you need to do, how you need to bring those people along. And and uh, you know, I think I think the thing that's kept me and Rex in coaching for as long as we are is uh it's easy for us to do. And some people just have a hard time doing it. All right. So let's break it down. Big league. You got, you got your manager, you got the bench coach is basically your, your manager's right-hand man. And, and from my experience, what a bench coach was the great bench coaches is that skipper would be sitting there. I'll give you a scenario. Lou Pinella's in the dugout. He'd turn to his guy, his bench coach for years and years was John McLaren. Johnny, what do you think? Bring in a lefty, bring in a righty. Or bring in a lefty, which one do you want? Well, that tells me Lou's, Lou's thinking about bringing in the lefty. He just needs a little push. Right. Lou, I'd bring in Jones. Boom. His sounding board. Then you got the pitching coach. Then you got the hitting coach. Obviously, as an offensive player, I'm never dealing with the pitching coach. He's usually We usually get along because we never have any interaction about strategy or, or how to hit or how not to hit. So usually that's your buddy. Uh, football, you got head coach, you got defensive coordinator, you got offensive coordinator, you got assistant coaches under that, linebacker coach, running back, receiver coach. Explain to me how the NFL system works. You've been in a bunch of different roles throughout your career. Right. Obviously the head coach, defensive, off- offensive head guys, and then it trickles down. How does that, I guess the question is, how does it work? I'm going to put it simple. Yeah. How does it work? I how mean, does I, it, it go think, get passed down the line? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is, you know, like when you're saying head coach, I mean, I was fortunate enough. I worked for uh, for Bill Belichick. I worked for my father, two completely different people. Uh, I worked with Sean Payton. Uh, I worked for Al Davis. I don't know who the head coach was, but Al Davis was. You know, so uh, <laughs> those guys yeah. set the tone. They they set the tone exactly. You know, uh, and this AP's a man is superstar. Believe me, 
uh, and and I love the, the job he's done here with the Raiders because uh, I'm a Raider at heart. And I'm going to always be one. So, uh, uh, but that they're the ones that set the identity for the whole team. And then you you have offense and defensive coordinators that have their philosophy on how you're going to get things done. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for offensive coaches, uh, you know, when I was defensive coordinator. So it was great. You know, just they never they didn't say anything to you. So you just got to try to stop them. But uh, uh, but that's how it works. And then the assistants, uh, the the way nowadays these these staffs are are gigantic. Like they're just gigantic. And it's like, uh, man, it's hard to to deal with all of them, you know, as the coordinator up front. So I, I learned, man, I, I broke those guys off in pods. I'm like, okay, here, I'm going to meet with these three guys on early downs. I'm going to have a third down specialist. I only meet with him. I'm going to have a rush guy and meet with him. So I had separate small meetings uh, to advance the plan of the team. But uh, uh, but that's how it works. And And the big thing is identifying the strengths of your staff and then using them, you know, I'm senior assistant. That just means I'm old, but, uh, but I also am the last guy to talk to our defense every week. I'm a guy who, who preaches turnovers every day and gets after him. A guy who tries to uh, connect our guys to play together as a unit. That's big responsibilities. And I enjoy the heck out. It's, it's about the most fun I've had, uh, you know, in a long, long time uh, of doing this role. I really enjoy it, but, uh, you know, as long as everybody's pulling in the same direction, uh, you know, coaching is, is so much fun. It's, it's, uh, it's so rewarding, uh, when you're around the right people, it, it really is enjoyable. You know, as a, as a layman football guy, uh, when I watch an NFL game and, and it's probably this way for other people in other sports, like, how do they do that? How do they do that? When for you, it's old hat. It's no big deal. Right. But I look at the complexity of being a, a, a coach in the NFL to manage all that personnel on the sidelines, have a game plan going in. You got your pregame. You got, it, it seems like it's one day a week. It's, you know, that's why baseball is so different. We play every day and it's like, it's just another day where football you got 18 games now, which is a lot of games. That's kind of weird for me to say 18 game schedule. Yeah. 17. But it's like, it's, it's, or 17. Yeah. It's once a week. And man, it's important that everything goes because you lose one. That's like us losing seven games. I, it, it, I don't know. It's like you're, you're on defense. You're the defensive coordinator. Do you rest when, when your defense is off the field or is that a time to know now we got to huddle up we got to say what's going right, what's going wrong. Keep doing that. It's halftime. Uh, what goes on at halftime? It, it's, it's for me, the layman, I watch you guys and I go, I don't know how they coordinate all this and get the play to the huddle where every, you have so many different people going so many different directions. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, in college, you can wait to halftime to make an adjustment. In the NFL, you have to do it right then and there. So as soon as you're off the field, you'll see guys huddling up. And what they're trying to do is if there was a problem, you have to fix it and tell them how you're going to fix it. And if things went well, you got to say, OK, hey, look, we're, I'm thinking about going with these calls, you know, going forward. Patrick Graham, our, our defense coordinator now, is he's from Yale. This guy's a big brain guy and all that. He's, he is outstanding at doing that. He stays ahead of the game, but he tells the players what to look for so they're not just hearing it for the first time 
when he calls it in the huddle. So uh, the game constantly plays. You're absolutely exhausted mentally when the game's over. Uh, but I can compare. I know um, when I was coaching defense for uh, Dallas, uh, uh, basketball was on strike, and Rick Carlisle would bring his staff in to sit in my meetings because he's like, this is so crazy. Like, how can you do this? There's so many guys. And yet, you know, uh, so he, he would be, he'd be there like six weeks in a row. It was awesome. And, uh, and I was a Laker fan at the time and, and they were getting ready to play, you know, uh, and I told the guys, I'm like, Oh, hell Dallas. I mean, I'm a Laker guy. So as soon as he came to our meetings, you know, all the Marcus wearing all those guys, Hey Rob, aren't you a Laker fan? No, I'm a Maverick fan, <laughs> you know, but I end up loving Rick. Like he is such a great dude. And what freaks me out, like just what, you know, uh, like talking to you baseball, man, I love baseball. So I can talk to you for hours on, on baseball. I just want to learn because it's such a different game, but I did the same. I took his, uh, his whole staff out when he was, uh, uh, coaching, you know, I was coaching in new Orleans and man, I just sat there for two hours at some steak joint, listening to all the stories they told. It was like one of the greatest nights of my life. But uh, uh, the the jobs are different, you know. Again, but again, it's a people business, and uh, in every sport you're in, uh, you're with the most talented guys. And and really, I always say the best people in the world because they're such achievers. And it doesn't matter where you came from. You know, uh, you got to hit that that uh, that baseball square, that round ball square, unbelievable. And uh, you did it better than most. I mean, almost all. You know, being an all star and uh, uh, football, it's the same way. You got to you got to get off. You know, hit hit a three hundred and fifty pound blocker, get off him, throw him on his face, and then go make a tackle against the best running back in the world. I mean, it's uh, it's a crazy game, but it's uh, you know, it's it's the most competitive, but it's also the most enjoyable. Yeah, it, it, it is cool. And you mentioned, you know, you love sitting around and just talking baseball or talking basketball, seeing how the other side lives. Uh, it is. It's fascinating, especially at the highest level, because we take for granted what we do. We've been doing it for so long. It's like you just wind us up and go and we know exactly what to do. Once I get to the ballpark, I know exactly what to do before the game. I know my checkpoints. I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm facing. Uh, I've got every all the preparation I need, and now the game starts, and I either execute or he executes. You know, we find out who's going to be who, who's going to be successful tonight. But it is it's cool to see how the other side lives. Um, you won two rings in New England. Uh, you mentioned Belichick; he's the son of a coach as well. Right? Um, how was working? What what made Belichick? Do you think so successful? Well, I tell you, he was the uh, first coach that ever taught me about situational football and the importance of it. And, uh, you know, that was 20 something years ago, but, but he was unbelievable in front of the team. And, and uh, truth be told, I thought he was terrible my first year. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm like, I'd fight with this guy every day and I'd never get the defense. Uh, you know, he has a style of play and it was a uh, three, four cover two all the time. And, my man, what the hell? This stinks. This guy doesn't know shit. And uh, so I almost had my wife. She's like, no, he took you too long to get back to the NFL. Uh, you know, Stinton and Hutchinson Juco and then coordinating Oakey State to get back. Uh, but I'm like, man, this guy, I don't know. But then I, I call actually go back to Oklahoma State. And, uh, you know, they, Les Miles had already just hired the D coordinator after he, he had offered it to him. I'm like, 
well, hell, I better go back. So I go back. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn this guy inside out. I'm going to know more football than he does. Well, once I took that attitude, I wanted to be a positive person, uh, you know, for him and, and, and coaching. Man, he was unbelievable. Like the, the first time he said something positive to our team was a year and a half. It took a year and a half of him. He, what I noticed, he identified what he wanted in a building. He wanted guys that love football. He wanted guys that were committed to football only. And, uh, and that's what it took. And he was such a hard ass about it. But when he finally said, we played the Rams and we got our butts kicked uh, at our place in Foxborough, um, our second year there. And he's like, you know what, guys, I'll tell you what, this is on me. This is on me. And if you guys play as hard as you did that, that way again, and you keep playing that hard on the, on, on uh, every week from here out, we'll play him again. I'll promise you this, this game's on me. You guys play exactly how you play. We'll, we'll get there again. And sure enough, we played him in the Super Bowl and beat the hell out of him. So this guy was amazing, but he had a picture. He was, he's in charge of everything, but he saw the game at a different speed. And, and, and I, I like to say, uh, you know, he can't watch TV the way most people watch TV. We see the picture, right? We just see the picture. He sees the dials. Hey, we're watching an RCA today. We're watching, you know, he sees everything. Like he's got a different vision. And uh, it was, it was amazing how much football I learned from him. He's the best coach that ever lays him up by far. And uh, it's just amazing. Now he's got a son coaching. That's a hell of a football coach. Uh, just went to Washington uh, as their defensive coordinator. That kid's uh, really good. Uh, but he learned from his father, and uh, I expect him to be a head coach one day too. But uh, it is really amazing uh, all that he sees. You know, shoot, I can remember being a baseball. This is a true story. All right, I hit hit one. I hope you got time for it. I'm watching baseball game at Fenway Park. All right. All right. We got uh, Eric Mangini's uh, uh, brother-in-law. It was like the, the GM for the Indians. All right, Shapiro. Right. All right. So he gets his tickets. So we're like, all right, cool. So we go to Fenway Park. We take limos. We're out all day, you know, drinking in the in the bars before we go to the game. All right. And the whole staff's there except Belichick. And we're having a hell of a time. All right. But kind of rainy all that day in, in Boston. And out of nowhere, he shows up. I was like, oh, shit. So I'm putting the beer down. You know, yeah, there you go. You know, uh, we're watching the game. And all of a sudden, here comes the rain. And, uh, and it gets a little delay and we're talking baseball whole thing. Well, and we're outside kind of, we, everybody else is inside. We're kind of out there, not getting rained on, but sitting there and the game, the play resumes. All right. And Dwight Evans the, should be hall of famer is coaching first base. All right. But he's not out there. So Belichick's like, Rob, don't they have what are the kind of coaches? I'm like, Hey, they got a bench coach. I don't know what he does, but he's a bench coach. Now I know he's a right hand from you. Uh, they got pitching coach, hitting coaches. They got base coach. Really? First base coach? Yes, sir. They got first base coach. Oh, okay. Doesn't say anything. About that time, there's two pitches or three pitches go on. Now here comes Dwight Evans trotting out from the from the dugout. <laughs> kind of laughing. Fucking Belichick stands up. This is after we won the Super Bowl. He's like, wait <laughs> Up. Wake the fuck up! And Dwight Evans <laughs> looks up. It's not like not everybody in New England knows who that is. 
That's Bill Belichick ripping right. his ass. Swear to God, it was it was hilarious. And I'm like, Dewey, damn, he's yeah, he's you know had the great arm, uh, but he's like, you know, he can't see the game the way everybody else does. I don't care what he's watching. And it, yeah, it's <clears throat> that's interesting because once again, baseball every day. We do this every day. So him waddling, kind of waddling out there a little bit late <clears throat> to the naked eye, to a Belichick's going, my coach is not in position. Oh. When really that first base coach, he's, <laughs> I hate to say they're irrelevant because they I'm do ser- serve a purpose, I'm all serve a purpose. Right. <laughs> Come on. You know, they're going to get, they're going to make sure I get to first base. They're going to make sure I know the, the outs, the situation of the game, who's got the good arm in the outfield, which, I hope I pride myself as a base runner. I kind of got a clue, but yeah. you know, I might turn to the first base coach if I'm going to steal a base and I wasn't a base dealer, but once in a while I'd, I'd sneak up on you. I want to get the time. And the time is from the, from, from the, the time that pitcher starts his windup to the ball crosses home plate. That's what we call the time. I'll say, give me a time on him. And if I heard the right number, <clears throat> you know, there's certain numbers where if, if it's over this, I can get a decent jump and I'll be safe. I know that. So that's what a first base coach is for. But when nobody's out there, it's really kind of unnecessary for the first base coach to even be there. Now, I've had guys that are picking signs. We're in a different era now. Now they got headsets and they're not even putting their fingers down anymore. But if you got a lazy catcher and you got a first base coach, he'd kind of sleep out of the box and he'd come to me during the game, go, Hey, Booney, I got the signs. If you want them, I said, Do I want them? Of course I want them. If you can pick them. Uh, but, but that's very rare, especially at the big league level. They're so aware of their surroundings and know that they're being watched wherever they could possibly be watched with the naked eye. So that that didn't happen very often, but, uh, yeah, it'd be funny though for Belichick, especially in that city, you guys won the super like, yeah, nobody knows who you are, Bill. And you're burying Dwight Evans, uh, one of the, one of the iconic players in the history of the Red Sox. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Had the, had the great arm, the minus five stratomatic arm. He was stuffed. He was tough now. Um, Super Bowl week. You're in Vegas. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> what are the coaches and the players? All right, I'm going to be ultimate layman fan. What are the coaches and the players doing right now? Four or five days out from the from the big game. Right. Uh, usually uh, coaches are off right after the season. They'll be off. And at most you're off until the Super Bowl. Then you go back to work. Uh, we're off till Tuesday. Then we go back to work. And basically you become bankers, you know, uh, nine to five Monday through Friday, uh, you know, and, and all you're doing is breaking down, uh, you know, you're, you're self-evaluating what you did, you know, Hey, we're good here. We're poor here need to keep this and need to look at the top teams in the league, study them. Can we do some of this, uh, you know, and try to improve your team. We had a hell of an off season last year and defensively uh, it really helped us. And uh, that's the time of year you want to do that. Uh, and, you know, we added coverages that helped us. We ended up being number one defense over the last nine weeks. So uh, when AP took over, which is over half the season, uh, and people have no idea. Oh, this defense is great. This is no, no. No, the Raiders were number one, you know, and that's something we are, are proud of. And that helped uh, AP get his job as a head coach. And uh, and it helped me stay in the league again. Uh, so, you know, I love love what we did. But a lot of that was accomplished during this time of year. And 
you know, so once you catch your break, because it's a long season, I know it's not as long as baseball, but when you're working seven, seven days a week, every day till midnight, I mean, it's a, it's a long season, but uh, you know, for seven months, but uh, when you do catch your breath, now I'm about ready to go again. You know, I got to be like, all right, let me get back in there, kind of get a little antsy and, you know, life can't wait. So, uh, uh, but <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's a great time to relax. Uh, the players have to get away from football. They have got to get away from football. It's, you know, uh, as a coach, it's just mentally on you as a player, it's physical, it's mental, it's everything. And you know how it is. I'm sure you got, couldn't wait to once the season was over to be able to breathe a little bit, get on that beach and, and, uh, and enjoy yourself. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Without a doubt. And then you're chomping at, you know, especially in your younger days that January 1st hits and you're chomping at the bit to get back to spring training for the Super Bowls that you've gone to. And there's always a two week gap from the last playoff game to the Super Bowl. Uh, How is that? What what are you? Is it seem like it takes forever to get there? The anticipation Uh, up to game time? What's 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 those two weeks for you in the years that you've you've gone to Super Bowls? Well, I, I tell you, uh, you know, Belichick was unbelievable. I'm, only two that I ever got in, we won. Uh, Belichick did this. He's like, hey, we're going to put this in, but we're going to hold back on this because he's like, look, we're going to make sure we put in some elaborate stuff the first week. So we do that. So you have the attention of the guys and they don't know it. So they have to work their butts off. And then when it gets that last week, you put all all your calls in. You, you you're going over the the uh, you know what you need to do, and uh, you know so it takes forever to get there. It seems like I remember you know our last practice, our my second Super Bowl, uh, Willie McGinnis. I was coaching linebackers, the great Willie McGinnis, and uh, USC. You know, we had a kid. In, what's that? USC. Oh yeah, USC stud. Yep, no doubt. But he. Uh, so we had this this tip on Carolina. They'd come in and uh, they'd crack with a certain motion, and then they they'd run the toss, 
uh, you know, so they'd run the toss play. But if he got in a little tighter, it was the off tackle run. So we kept working on that to to see the difference. Well, this one kid comes in there, Tully Banacane from California. He comes in, gives him a, li- a terrible look, knocks the hell out of him. Why? Well, one of the greatest things he goes, Rob. One of the greatest things you did today is you saved that stupid ass from getting his ass kicked because he was going to kill him. But they were so ready by by the end of the week. They are so ready to play. They can't stand it, you know. And then, uh, uh, you know, that's the whole thing. The game takes over an hour and a half longer than a normal game. So you have to pace your players during that game. You know, it, it's a, you know, it, it's unbelievable. It's a great feeling, obviously, when you win it, but it is an exhausting process just to the whole second week, then the whole game and all the, you know, the flyovers and the, it takes forever, the commercial breaks and, and the halftime. And uh, it's something that people don't think of. I mean, our guys shoot, they were in there eating sandwiches at halftime. Nobody does that during the regular season, but uh, it was a different game. Um, you played the Chiefs twice this year. I believe uh, your Raiders played the Niners in the last preseason game, maybe. So and I know preseason is different, but yeah, uh, you beat the, yeah. <clears throat> you beat the uh, you beat the Chiefs one of the games, right? How are how are the Niners going to stop Mahomes and Kelsey? I tell you, it's you know. Um, we were the last team to beat the Chiefs, and um, you know it was on Christmas Day at their place. Uh, that was no easy feat, but I, I promise you, AP had done an unbelievable job of getting that team ready to go, and it started the first of the week, and it kept adding to it. And probably the greatest uh, uh, talk, and you know, talks only last so long, but uh, you know, like you know, Tyson, only until you get hit in the mouth. Nah, this one lasted a little longer. Believe me, and our guys bought in, and we played as well as we could have played. Um, I think San Francisco has to disguise their coverages, something they were atrocious at uh, versus the Lions. Uh, Detroit knew every single play they were in on defense. So they have to do a better job. They're extremely talented, but they play better when they're ahead. Uh, You know, so uh, Kansas City will run the football on you uh, early in the game, but you have to stop that because if you don't, you'll get a heavy dose of it now you won't be able to stop anything. You won't be able to stop the run, the play action, or anything like that. So uh, look for Kansas City to try to run the ball on them early. Uh, San Francisco has to do a better job disguising their coverages and their fronts. Their fronts are, you know, when everybody's down there to stop the run. Uh, you know, uh, you know, because if they play the way they did against Detroit, uh, they're going to have a hard time stopping Kansas City. Uh, the quarterback is too good. Uh, he's the best in, in, in football. I think the best player in the league is Max Crosby. The second best is, is Patrick Mahomes. And uh, you better be ready all day against this guy. He uh, He's the ultimate competitor. And, uh, you know, it's they have to play better than they did. Uh, in my opinion, I think they will. I think, I think San Francisco will be uh, hard to stop on offense because they got all those weapons. And Shanahan's tremendous. But uh, he himself's got to do a better job uh, closing games out in the Super Bowl. Both really good defenses. You mentioned uh, um, all the weapons that that San Francisco has: <clears throat> Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, Purdy. Who's? I, it was weird, Rob. I was at the game where uh, uh, who was the quarterback for for uh, 
before Purdy in in San Francisco? Uh, uh, well, I mean, they had the young kid. You know, they now wasn't the kid um, uh, Garoppolo. Oh, Jimmy, of course, so yeah, I, Jimmy. Yeah, yep. so I I go to the game. I, I we're playing at Pebble Beach. We're playing golf, and. San Fran was playing the next day. And I said, well, why don't we just stay a day? We'll drive to the Niner game. We'll go home. And I'm sitting in, the, I, I remember me and my buddy, we we had a bet. And I forget who the Niners were playing, but it was against. We were taking the points. And Garofalo goes down. And that was the first time Purdy came onto the field. And I remember right. looking at my buddy going, ah, this bet's in the bag now. We got this kid. Nobody knew who he is. Here he is a year and a half later going to the Super Bowl. And, and you know, non-stop they want to bash him like i think it's the people that that just say well he's not that good he's not and now all of a sudden all he does is keep winning and winning and winning and maybe it's not uh dan marino style but at the same time he's done a hell of a job to this point and the and the big thing i notice once again as a layman football guy is he doesn't turn the ball over right well that's that's the biggest thing for him i mean he's uh remember the only reason he got in the game is that trey lance kid was hurt because remember he right. was the backup, so now he's going to go to his third team guy. Uh, I know they drafted him, but shit, they drafted him last pick, so they couldn't have been that encouraged. Uh, but the guy is amazing. I know Anthony Lynn on that staff can't say enough good things about him. Uh, and when we practice him, this dude's got some leadership. All those great players around him, he's the leader. Like it's crazy. I I, I don't, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's strange. And and uh, it happened to USC when. They had all those great linebackers, uh, Malanga, uh, you know, uh, uh, the long-haired guy, Matthews, and and uh, uh, the other kid. And then Kaluka Maiava, who's a little kid from Hawaii, just walk under this table. He was the leader. And I was like, what? He was. And I ended up coaching that kid. He was tough as hell. But these guys, that leadership, just like you know, it's, it's genuine. Like guys just follow certain people. And uh, I saw that with Brady. I was at Brady's first workout, you know, the workout we drafted him from. Uh, I was at Michigan with Dick Rabine. I was working out the defensive guys. Rabine was working out Brady and a kid named Aaron Shea. And then we're like, there was nobody around in typical Patriot fashion. We're like, hey, let's go one-on-one over here. I don't know how legal that was. But uh, we were killing him. Like, damn, this quarterback stinks. Uh, well, Raybine couldn't rave about a guy enough. Like, man, he's like, oh, I love this kid. I'm like, really? We're on the plane, on the plane right back. I like the Honey Jones. I like Hall. I, you know, uh, Ian Gold. These guys are great. You know, he's like, yeah, this guy, he's a leader. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well, we get the kid in the sixth round, and he stunk when we first got him, but it was so weird. Everybody followed the kid. It was like, what the hell? He improved so much because it's Tom Brady. Well, hell, he's gonna be great. No matter what, he's going to make sure he's great. It was crazy, and but some of those guys just kind of got it. And yeah, uh, that it, it's that it factor. Yeah, but he has it, and it was strange because at first I'm like, hell, I didn't believe it, but you know, everybody would follow this dude, and then uh, it became legit. You know, so uh, you know, this Purdy guy's done the same thing for San Francisco. I mean, uh, and you could see the confidence Shanahan and everybody has in this kid. And every once in a while, he will force one. But, uh, you know, they can live and die with that. They have a great defense that can help them. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, 
it's not where you start in this league. It's, it's, it's how you play in it and how you finish. And, and I think uh, this guy's really been a super quarterback. You know, it's amazing too. And, and you say that it factor, he's just got something about him that people want, you know, the way he goes about his business. What I've noticed the most is the little interviews, you know, with the Nick Bosa, a, a Kittle McCaffrey, they always mention Purdy and how awesome he is. I mean, right. I've never heard so much, uh, so much love for a guy that's been in the league for like a year and a half. I mean, they're talking like they've been through battles and wars together, but they always, even if the question isn't about Purdy, somehow these guys, these stars on that team, they bring his name up and say, we wouldn't be where we are. The reason we are where we are is because of him. And it's pretty cool that that just lends to the fact what you're saying is true. He's got that it factor. No, he really does. And we have a young quarterback here with the Raiders that uh, is he kind of sneaky it guy, you know, this Aiden O'Connell. Uh, and But he was turning the ball over. He was taking sacks. But as AP kept playing him, this kid kept getting better and better. And when your stars believe in you, like uh, – Devontae Adams, we had the best receiver in football. He believes in this kid. And when he believes in him, everybody else does. And, else and he does. never turned the ball. It's how you beat a Kansas City. Uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, the ball is so important. And uh, you know, and it's more than a clock manager. He makes some throws down the field. So uh, we're hoping we can hit the same thing uh with Aiden O'Connell. And I'm I'm sure he'll have unbelievable growth, just like I'm sure you did. Uh I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I know from the first year to the second year in the NFL, that's when you make huge jumps because you know what this thing, league's all about. You know what it takes. It's a major grind. These kids aren't used to it. And then now it's like, okay, now I've got – I understand what everybody says. Hey, I have to get in a routine. I have to have my – you know, what I do because it's so important because the season's so long. And, and I think this kid will grow and end up being a star in this league. Uh, all right. Chiefs, Niners, Rob Ryan's prediction. Who wins the game? It's, well, a, two I'm gonna go the Niners. it's a two point spread. All right. What's that? It's an only so, two point spread. So two point spread. Well, I'm, I'm not going to ask with, you the points. Right. I'm going to go with the Niners just because there's no way in hell I'm going to pick the Chiefs. <laughs> not in our division. No. Yep. Uh, you know, but, uh, I just think they have too many weapons and they have a great defense. that has got to play better. I think they will be motivated this week to play better. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with them, uh, you know, over Kansas city, just cause, you know, eventually, I mean, Mahomes, those, the other, other receivers have to step their game up. They drop the ball too much for me. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go San Francisco, but no, you know, no slap at Kansas City because they they're tremendous. They're there every year. Uh, we got to do something about that. We know the challenge ahead of us, but uh, but I'll, I'll say San Francisco, right. and I'll I'll go by three. By three. All right. Well, now, now, you're getting, now you're getting technical. Um, Rob, this has been great. I want to I want to mention for those of you listening to the Boone Podcast, Rob is. Uh, He's working with an organization called Backwards K. I'm going to let him explain it to you. Uh, so go ahead. It's, it's your well, it's form. Really, tell uh, the, it's tell the it's my listen. wife's uh, charity. Um, it's uh, it's really it's Backwards K program, uh, Backwards K project. 
and it's uh, athletes against child trafficking. And, and what we're trying to do is uh, mold, you know, have everybody under one banner, every sport and, and, you know, the greatest fans in the world, we got these great athletes uh, in every sport and we want to combine every one of them to get them to end child trafficking. And the way we're doing it is, is a symbol backwards K and it started with baseball. Uh, you know, hey, backwards K, well, that means strikeout. Well, you know, caught you looking. Well, we want to strike out child trafficking. So that's the baseball hat. We got hats. We got Oski hat for intercept in football. We had Sackham, quarterback K. We've got puck hats. We've got every hat you can think of, dunk hats for basketball, spike for, for volleyball, and so on. We've got gold medalists. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Sabrina for the basketball, the best women's player in the world. Uh, so we have all these great people, but but what really is missing with the with attacking child trafficking is and there's so many great uh, sponsors out there, uh, you know, but they're none of them all together. And and what we're doing is the nuts and bolts for everything. We're we're identifying the problem. Well, first of all, we're going to educate the people, you know, and there's a program for it to educate our kids in schools. Then it's educate the police on what to look for. Then it's the internet. We've got people that attack in the internet there. Uh, then we're identifying these people when they come into big events, like it's a penalty. They do. Uh, they identify these people and they're on the lookout. And then we have to have people that go in and get them. And, and uh, we've got an unbelievable guy that trains police, but he actually goes in and, and rescues people in America, not just international. And uh, uh, so that happens. And then we ultimately have to, uh, uh, provide for the for the people that have been affected. So that's what the backwards K does, and uh, we'd appreciate anything people could do. They could look it up. Uh, we have a heck of an auction uh, for Sunday. Uh, you know, it ends on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and I mean, there's some awesome stuff on there. There's like you can rent a tank for you shoot a tank, uh, you know, all night and things like that. We've got great places. People have been so gracious to donate, but. Uh, we're not having our official launch until later, but we've got our uh, uh, soft launch going uh, on Saturday uh, at the Ahern Hotel from one to six. And and uh, but we'd love for people to check it out. Backwards K Project and and athletes against child trafficking. It's going to be a wonderful cause, and and uh, hopefully people can check it out. Very cool. Well, Rob Ryan, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was cool. It was, it was fun to catch up. Um, Best of luck to you going into next year. Best luck. Best of luck to the Las Vegas Raiders. What's it like? All these years, and all of a sudden, you're in Vegas playing football. Baseball's coming. Oakland A's are supposedly yeah. coming. We'll see if that comes to fruition. I still have my druthers about it because they get nervous with baseball. Because unlike football, you know, it's once a week. You come in, you you kind of hunker down, you get ready for that game. But baseball, you got people running wild in that city for four days at a time. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I know they're a little nervous about it. It's going to take some discipline. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some discipline. Well, thank you again. Once again, everybody listening, watching the Boom Podcast, I appreciate you tuning in. Go check out Backwards K. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening. See you then.